This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Zephyr CMS. It's a modern cloud-based CMS system that's licensed only to agencies. You can find them at ZephyrCMS.com. More about this later in the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Chance. My guest today is Brant Menzoir. He's an inspirational speaker, award-winning musician, and author of a book we're going to talk about today called Black Sheep, Unleash the Extraordinary, Awe-Inspiring, Undiscovered You. So Brant, welcome to the show. Thanks, John. Great to be back. I have to tell you, you missed a huge, huge opportunity in the title. Oh, okay? I know what you're going to say. You know where I'm going? The you're going to say, I should have said you with an E-W-E. Well, you inspiring <laughs> would be amazing. In fact, I own the URL now. If you want to buy it, I, I got it today. <laughs> I love it. I thought about it and I'm like, are people going to laugh me just straight out of the conference center if I come here with the, uh, how much sheep, how much sheep pun can somebody take? <laughs> You know, another thing I thought as I was reading your your bio, award-winning musician. I wonder how many, I wonder how many speakers, authors are music. I mean, you did it professionally, but music-oriented or songwriters or or something. I bet you it's. I, I you, we were talking before I started recording. I was talking to Todd Henry, and he's actually a songwriter. And he said uh, in his in his comments to me, he said, "You know, the older I get, the less I need to know." And I was like freaking country song right yeah, there. True. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you, it, it, it was the hardest, honestly, the hardest shift <laughs> for me was, was moving from writing songs to writing books. Cause when you're writing songs, you know, if, if you've got 10 words and can say it in five, you say it in five. And with a book, it's like, if you can say it in 10, say it in 12 and make it, make it a little more descriptive. <laughs> so it was tough, it was tough yeah. for me. Yeah. So let's get right to the hardest part, I think, about this book is yeah. that you claim we've all been lied to about yeah. purpose. Yeah. I believe that uh, the biggest lie we've been told about purpose is that it's something we find. Mm -hmm. And so many of us have spent decades <laughs> on this Indiana Jones-like quest searching for our crystal skull and purpose. And, uh, you know, it just is not true. Purpose is something we choose. And the question is, how do you make the right choice? <laughs> and that's really what this book is about. It, it helps you get started by choosing a purpose in alignment with the things that matter most to you. Does that in a way put more responsibility or accountability on us? It's like, oh, I can't find my purpose. I don't know what I'm supposed to do in life. That's like, you know, you could skate on that for a few years. Oh, yeah. But this idea that if I have to accept that I get to choose it, well, then I'm like not. I mean, isn't that sort of harder? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, at least in my experience, it's a fraction of a fraction of a percentage of people who have done the work to discover what their non-negotiables are and can tell me what their life's purpose is in, a, in a one or two succinct sentences. And so because of that, I, I'm a very busy man. <laughs> Thank God. But, uh, but the truth is most of us are winging it and, yeah. and we've been successful winging it. And so why would we want to actually do some really hard work to see what's possible when we're comfortable where we are? Well, and I would suggest, um, by the way, I, I, I made a note here that I, I loved your explaining of where the, the term winging it uh, 
comes from. I was not familiar with that. Uh, people waiting in the wings, you know, getting their lines actually to sub in for somebody, you that's know, right. that's in the wings. You that's know, it's right. like, oh. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> I'm just that, gonna wing it. That's exactly right. And that's how we've sort of adopted our lives now. It's like, oh, I'm just gonna i I'm gonna sit over here in the wings and when something's thrown at me, I'll do the best I can in the moment. But we don't actually learn our part well enough to not be looking at the words. But what if it seems like we are? I mean, what like, you know, I don't think people go, Yeah, I'm just gonna wing it for a while. You know, I mean, I think they think, Well, I'm doing the best I can. I, you know, I'm getting yeah. along here. This seems like a good place to be right now. I mean how do you, I mean, where do you get the leverage then to say, you know, darn it, I'm going to change? I'm being intentional, John. <laughs> uh, I, the way that I try to describe it to people is being intentional is putting a destination in your GPS. That's being intentional. Right. But knowing every turn you're going to make between here and reaching your destination, well, that's acting with deliberate intention. And there is a monumental difference between those two things. Okay. I'm going to come back to that. But first I want you to explain to me why black sheep, Uh, you know, obviously Mm -hmm. that's in the title and you're talking about these being your core values. There's a lot of negative associated with black sheep. So uh, help me reconcile that. Yeah. A couple hundred years worth of demonization. Why not put that in the title? Right. (laughs) Uh, uh, You know, I was 47 years old when somebody finally explained to me the actual reason why black sheep are not valued like the rest of the flock by farmers. And when I found out the truth, I was so incredibly shocked that I had, I have lived 47 years without knowing this, that it led me sort of down this path, which led to the book. And so the the reason that black sheep are not valued like the rest of the flock is because a black sheep's wool cannot be dyed. So in effect, every black sheep is a hundred percent authentically original. And when I heard that, I'm like, that's that's my whole life goal is to just be the hundred percent authentic original that I was I was created to be, and so when I when I sort of started to to think about it, I said, you know, we actually all have this sort of five or six deeply held personal core values that have been developed over the course of our lives that outside of a catastrophic event in your life, they rarely change. They are like that black sheep's wool. They are the things that no matter how much someone wants to try to twist you or change you, you simply will not be moved. And and that's sort of the premise of discovering your flock of five black sheep values. In your experience, and again, I know you 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 haven't worked with millions of people like a therapist might. Sure, but but in your experience, does it take something, some event, some like near tragedy, you know, to to actually push people out of mediocrity into black sheep land? Unfortunately, I, I would agree with that. Um, it did for me, anyways, for sure. It took my son getting cancer to to really decide to define these things in my life, but. You know, I think it's different for everybody, but but out of the last, you know, gosh, 50,000 people that I've spoken to about this over the last 18 months, um, so few can tell me what truly matters most. If I put them on the spot and I say, give me your five non-negotiables, mm-hmm. they sort of stare at me with stars in their eyes and uh, they can tell me what they, they think is really important, but that list is about 30 words long. <laughs> yeah, right, and, right, right. And so, you know, I think that when we have some sort of really 
of an event that just shakes us to our core. It helps us change our perspective and really adjust what matters to us in a, in certain ways. It doesn't change our values, but it changes our perception. And I, I think that's what leads us down that path. Well, and either, you know, you and I are recording this in September of 2020. Um, there would be a lot of people that would say, you know, the, the world health challenge that's going on right now has, it maybe hasn't shocked everyone, but it certainly had some people kind of going, well, maybe, why was I doing that? I'm not going to do that anymore. Um, you know, yeah. and, and so yeah. this, you know, there maybe was never a better time uh, to start thinking about, you know, identifying your black sheep. So yeah, how do you do it? How do you get that list of 30 down to five? So the book is going to give you a couple of ways, depending on how deep you want to dive in the pool, right? And so uh, one of the fun ways that I like to just start the conversation is to talk about our favorites. And so, sure. you know, yeah. I, I ask people to think through, give me, give me your top three favorite movies or songs or smells or foods. And, you know, there's a reason we, we have favorites and, and most of the time it's because, uh, they connect our head and our heart. So they connect something that we truly value with, with some really powerful experiences, you know, what, what Maslow calls peak experiences. And, mm-hmm. um, because of that, they, they become our favorites. And so when we start to look at the things that we consider a favorite, they leave breadcrumbs back to these black sheep values that are those unchangeable, uh, values that, that we all possess. So do you find yourself you know, when, when you talk about that, do you find people going, oh, okay, well then here's my favorite movie. <laughs> yeah. What does that say about me? Yeah. I mean, you find yourself like, especially with some classic movies, oh, right. Bueller's Day Off? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> let me tell right. you about you. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Showgirls. Um, you know, it is it is one of those things that I never preface when I ask the guy. I, I simply talk about favorites and then I ask people to give me one of their, what's the one that comes on network television that you just simply can't turn off when you, when you pass through it. Right. And, uh, you know, the interesting thing is it really starts to shed some light because for some people, you know, my, my favorite movie of all time is happy Gilmore. I mean that, you know, for most people you would, (laughs) that would tell them everything they need to know about me. You're a slacker. You're a slacker. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) But but when I looked at the reasons, yeah, all of my black sheep values are represented in that movie. And so that to me, it just made sense. Right. And so that's the sort of shallow dive. The the next thing that you could do, I created an online assessment to start a, basically start a conversation. And that's at findyourblacksheep.com. And you click on find your flock and what it does. And this is the interesting part, right? It, It sort of presents you with 125 commonly held personal core values. And it says, look, knee jerk reaction. What the first thing I want you to do, if you read a word and you like that word, if the word resonates with you, go ahead and select it. And after doing this for almost two years and and thousands of people who have taken this assessment, um, we know that the average person selects at least 30 words. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, you know, my first question back is, t- tell me what uh, crippling anxiety and depression feels like, right? Because <laughs> our perfectionist nature uh, w- w- would be just thrown uh, by 30 things you're trying to honor on a daily basis. Yeah, and yeah. so we take that subset of 30 words or however many you selected, and we group them by likeness into five different buckets, right? And so we've got 
things like empathy and sympathy in one, and we've got things like achievement and success in another. And sort of when you get to your five groups, you select one word from each one of those that you cannot live without. Which one of these is your non-negotiable? And it's hard. It's it's hard to group the words, first of all, together by likeness, because we all think differently about things. And so what you would put together, I might look at and go, where, where's the bridge between those two? I don't understand that at all. And then when we sort of get to those five, what we have also sort of seen through the data is we know that two or three of them are absolutely without question, a hundred percent real, right? You can give me 20 examples for each over the course of your life as to why they're important to you. Um, and we also know that two or three of them are what I like to call aspirational sheep. They are who you want to be, or maybe who somebody told you you should be, but they are not actually your black sheep values. And you don't realize that until you begin to try to track them and look for proof. And when there's no proof to be found, that sends you back to the pasture looking for where your sheep have run off to. Well, 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 let me stop you there because isn't it okay to wish I was something I was? I'm not. So what I'm going to tell you is this. How do you know you're not already enough? Yeah, I, but, but I want to be something different. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not enough. What well, this is, what, this is the interesting thing. I want thing. to be more adventurous, for well, example. This, this, is the, <laughs> this is the other thing that I've, you know, when you have two or three that are simply not real, yeah. but you are telling yourself, that they are real and you find zero proof. It makes you feel like crap. It makes you feel ashamed. It adds anxiety and depression to the mix. And so my question is, it's okay. I guess it's okay if you want to be something more, but I'm not going to listen to any of that until you actually figure out who you are and no one does the work. And so do the work first. And if you figure out that these are my true five or six and you're still unhappy with yourself, then we can have that conversation. But it, it is a rare occurrence that that is the case. So you're saying donuts is not on the list. That's not one of the things. Well, donuts is always <laughs> on the list, my brother. <laughs> as a as a Dunkin' Donuts, uh, growing up in New England, you know that's how we give directions, right? It's you go to the dunks and you make a left. <laughs> then you go to the next dunks and you make a right. You know, today content is everything. So our websites are really content management systems, but they've got to work like one. Check out Zephyr. It is a modern cloud-based CMS system that's licensed only to agencies. It's really easy to use. It's very fast. Uh, it won't mess with your SEO. I mean, it really reduces the time and effort to, to launch uh, your client's websites. Beautiful themes, just really fast profitable way to go. They include an agency services to really kind of make a, them your plug and play dev shop. Check out Zephyr.com. That is Z-E-P-H-Y-R-C-M-S.com. All right. Since I got you all fired up, let's talk about caring for someone else's sheep. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's, it is what happens to all of us, right? So it, it can be over the course of your life, maybe you grew up, you had to take care of your siblings or you were uh, you know, a single parent household where you had a lot of responsibility pretty young, or maybe you were caring for elderly grandparents or parents or whatever that might've looked like. And so you spent an enormous portion of your life caring for other people. And, and what I sort of want 
the book to, to point out is a couple things. I have zero problem with you feeding other people's sheep, right? I don't have any problem with that. Where I have a concern is when you start caring for them like they're your own. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's sort of like that, um, you know, what, what I always tell people, it's the, it's the airplane, right? It's the, when the mask comes down, you got to put your mask on first before you start putting masks on everybody else. It's the same thing. You got to feed your sheep first, right? If you've got four kids and you only feed two, how long is that going to last before you've got two kids who are driving you up the wall, right? right. And so you've got to feed yours first or they'll start to wreak havoc in your life. And after you feed yours, you got a little extra food you want to share with the, with the other sheep. I have zero problem with that, but let's make sure that we're making ours a priority. All right. So let's say I've done the work. Mm-hmm. I'm, one of the, I'm one of the two people that's yes. done the work. Yes. <laughs> and, and now I, th- I have things like joy yeah. and kindness and sure. adventure. You know, mm-hmm. on my list. Mm-hmm. How do I make them appear when I need them? Well, you got to program them into your day, right? I mean, the the difference for me. So I figured this stuff out a few years ago, but it didn't really transform my life until I started to speak them into existence, right? And that sort of happened by uh, by accident for me. It was a chance meeting I had uh, at an airport with Gary Vaynerchuk. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I knew of Gary. Uh, it's hard not to know of Gary. <laughs> he's, right, right. he's sort of ubiquitous, uh, right? And so we happened to be arriving at the exact same time. We get out of cars that were next to each other. And I look up and I see that it's him. And and so, you know, he's super, super sweet man. Um, sort of one of those things that you're always nervous about re- meeting someone like that and wondering if they're actually going to be what you want them to be. And he was every bit of uh, what I had desired him to be from the outside looking and he was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, I did a little bit of research on him after that, just to sort of figure a little bit more about how he's done what he's done. And it's, it's very interesting to me how he's built his, his career and his platform. And I was reading an article a few months later in the New York times and the, the title said, uh, jets owner in waiting will tailgate for now. And, you know, I uh, had learned that Gary's sort of life goal is to, is to buy the New York jets. And, um, he knows right now he's worth a couple hundred million, but that's like a pimple on the on the NFL. That is not going to get you a, a team. That's going to get you maybe a locker room, uh, but that's about <laughs> it. And so he's he knows he needs a B in front of the Ilian before he is going to make any real uh, moves there. And uh, this article was talking to Gary's brother, AJ. And the guy, uh, the interviewer says to AJ, God, I got to say, it's really weird to talk to your brother because he sort of talks about this stuff like it's just going to happen. And um, AJ said, well, of course he does. He's going to speak it into existence. And and when I read that, I had like this aha moment where I realized it wasn't just about defining these things and figuring out that they were my black sheep values. I had to speak them into existence with deliberate intention. So I started in January of 2019, literally going into my calendar every day, looking at the appointments I had and started writing these values, which ones were going to benefit me most in those meetings. And I started to program them throughout the day. And the minute I started doing that, six months later, I went from speaking 20, 25 times a year to 60 to 70 times a year. My fee tripled, right? My uh, Washington Speakers Bureau names me one of the top 10 motivational speakers uh, in the country alongside Amy Cuddy and Jack Nicholas and Magic Johnson. And when I first saw that, I had like massive imposter syndrome. I mean, massive imposter syndrome because some of these were heroes of mine. And 
And what I've realized, John, since then is, and this is, is it, it pains me to say, but it, it's the only way I can get my brain to logically see this. Um, defining the things that matter most, living your life with deliberate intention through choosing a purpose that is meant solely for you is just as rare as Jack Nicholas winning 18 majors. It's just as rare as Magic Johnson having this incredible Hall of Fame NBA career. And, and I truly believe it's why I'm on that list. And so, you know, I, I've just sort of taken it from there and really dove into the the deep end of the pool with the science behind our values and how we manifest them. And, and uh, that's really what's in this book is trying to get people to understand the same. So Black Sheep is available anywhere that people pick up books in various forms. Do you want to end us today talking a little bit about um, something you're supporting in the book, Cannonball Kids? Sure. Sure. Let's do it. Um, so uh, I'm donating a portion of the proceeds of this book to an incredible organization that I have supported for a few years now called Cannonball Kids Cancer. Um, you know, with my son's background of, of being a cancer survivor, there are so many different organizations that do some pretty amazing work in pediatric cancer. You know, pediatric cancer gets 4% of the funding, um, uh, from the government with regards to to research. And so pediatric cancer is still very much like the depths of the ocean. We know very little about how cancer affects children. Um, and, and so this tiny little organization based out of Central Florida has funded some of the most cutting edge research you have ever seen in your life. Last year, they funded a $25,000 grant that used the Zika virus to attack cancer cells. Um, that actual grant was so successful. The results were so astonishing that they just received another $700,000 plus from the government because they've never seen results like this particular research pro uh, uh, project had. And so what they do, their big thing is if they can't find um, a trial for kids who've been sort of told there are no more options. And so they send these kids home to hospice. So what they say is if they can't find it, they will fund it. And so they have partnerships with researchers all over the world and they fund the most creative research out there where it's just not being looked at anywhere else. And so the portion of these book proceeds are going back to that. And um, it's just one of the most noble causes I, I can possibly think of. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing. Um, can you uh, tell us uh, where people can find out more about your work and obviously uh, Black Sheep? Absolutely. Uh, anyone who's interested in learning a little bit more, you can go to findyourblacksheep.com. You will find uh, the assessment there. You'll find links to my speaking engagements and anything else you might be curious about. Awesome. We'll have those links in the show notes as well. So Brent, as always, great catching up with you and hopefully we run into you uh, when we all get back out there on the road. You have been elevated in my life to back cover blurb status, my brother, right? And yeah. so I can't, thank you, really can't thank you enough. I got the book and and I remembered thinking, yeah, I wrote a blurb for this. I'm looking through, God dang it, he just cut me off, damn it. And I throw the book down and I'm like, oh, wait, there I am. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. can't, can't thank you enough, man. You, oh, you've well, been a true blessing it. to me. I, I appreciate I, that. I love the work and I love what you're about. All right.
Great, great catching up with you, Brent. Same here.